Well, hello, this is Emery Melhoff, your North Dakota Public Policy Liaison, and I am your host today for North Dakota Farm Bureau Straight Talk, and as well as being your host today, I'm also sitting here with my esteemed colleague, Pete Hannibut, who is the Director of Public Policy for the North Dakota Farm Bureau, and uh, Pete and I have had a very successful 2021 session, and we're just here to visit with you about some of our North Dakota Farm Bureau priority issues and what what we covered during the legislative session and how it went. And so with that, Pete, do you want to get us started off? Sure. When you think about uh, how things started with the legislature and all the uncertainty involved with how things were going to happen as a process, considering the COVID stuff, we did have a very successful session and we managed to charter through those uh, minefields and all in pretty good shape and uh, were successful with implementing an awful lot of NDFB policy. One of our early successes had to do with animal agriculture in that uh, a bill that we were involved with authoring and then uh, working through the process, uh, Senate Bill 2216, dealing with livestock siding, really kind of ran through the Senate and the House without any kind of opposition. There were no uh, votes against. Once we explained it in committee, it was pretty simple for most folks, but it changed some word problems that had been used against people who wanted to either have animal agriculture or expand animal agriculture. Uh, That was a great success to have early without much dissent. And in accompanying that bill, uh, later in the session, a bill dealing with the health department, uh, House Bill 1103, was amended in a way to say that state agencies can't file competing permits for varying things that could flummox uh, some animal agriculture expansion. And so between those two bills, without very much dissent at all, We had one of our first and best successes of this legislative session in dealing with animal agriculture. A bill that has been uh, over 20 years in the making was Senate Bill 2144. And this bill is infamously known as the posting bill. And North Dakota Farm Bureau has had longstanding policy that all land should be considered posted. And uh, we made great strides during last session to get something passed. But in the last moments of last session, the bill got turned into a study to look at offering an electronic posting component to producers and landowners across the state. And so that study has been going on in the interim. And the result of that study was the Senate Bill 2144 to expand a pilot project of electronic posting to all counties, which will allow landowners to electronically post their land, which will be helpful for our producers out there who spend a lot of time and a lot of money getting around to all of their land to post. It'll just remove any question of doubt whether land is posted or not. And it also defines a fence, which is a great step forward. So even though this bill doesn't completely fulfill our policy, it is a step in the right direction to fulfilling not only NDFB's policy, but many of the other A groups around the state. Speaking of steps and standing, I'll transition to stand your ground, uh, which we had actually two bills that were filed on this topic, and it's been a Farm Bureau policy for a while. And the bill that uh, was going to survive and did survive was uh, House Bill 1498, which was sponsored by Ben Koppelman. Uh, This is a bill that makes it pretty clear that you do not have the obligation to flee an attacker, that you can defend yourself without having to to flee to the furthest point possible before having to defend yourself as a final act. This doesn't make it the wild, wild west, as some of the opponents said. It just simply says that a person has the right to defend themselves, their life, and their property. That means that North Dakota is joining 14 other states that have this type of legislation. So it's a good bill for us. 
and certainly fulfills uh, one of our policies, uh, number 406.06. As Pete mentioned, there were a lot of COVID concerns and struggles going into this session. And one of the concerns that came up in North Dakota and on our delegate floor during our last annual session um, was the concern that the separation of powers wasn't distinct and the governor was overstepping his authority by putting executive orders upon the people. And uh, we had a commitment early on from our legislative leadership that a bill would pass to make a distinction between the separation of powers and to hold the executive branch accountable for some of these executive orders. And so we had three bills that were sponsored at the beginning of the session, but the one that has passed was sponsored by Representative Devlin. And it basically says that if a state of emergency related to public health is declared when the legislature is not in session, legislative management can request that the governor call a special session. And if the governor refuses or will not call a special session within seven days of the request, legislative management can end the state of emergency 30 days after the request from legislative management. So this bill tracks really closely with our policy, which is 404.01. Another bill that uh, is kind of interesting for us, and it's a good example of playing defense to win, was a bill that would have given us annual legislative sessions. Senate Bill 2218 came through the Senate. We didn't expect it to pass in the Senate. We're kind of surprised that it did. And then, you know, looked like it was gaining some momentum in the House and, uh, we were able to defeat that bill with a lot of floor work and managed to beat it kind of overwhelmingly in the end uh, once we pointed out all the problems with an annual session and what that would do for budgets, what that does to, to change the nature of a citizen legislature and, and move it toward a professional legislature. So we're very happy to play some defense and beat that bill. There's another related bill, but it also died eventually. It passed and it wouldn't have had much of an impact, but then uh, the governor vetoed it and that was just fine because it managed managed to put things back the way they were with the defeat of that bill. And so both of these defeats are good for NDFB and good for the citizens of North Dakota in that we will not turn into a professional legislature like a lot of other states have. Do you want to cover water, Pete? Certainly. We had a number of bills dealing with water and drainage specifically uh, in the legislature. One that started off as a fairly awful bill, I think, from most people's perspectives. 2208 was an attempt to fix some problems that were more regional in nature and would have opened uh, cans and cans of worms for everyone else in the state. There was a region of the state or a county within the state that has some individual problems, and those folks generated a bill that, if it had been enacted, would have been just awful for most of the water users in the state and people that use drainage to manage their soil qualities. And so everyone saw the writing on the wall and recognized that it was a bill to address a local problem that those folks needed to sort out themselves. Some of the legitimate questions within the bill, meaning parts of the code that are unclear or issues that are covered in three or four parts of the code, those ideas were all combined into a study, which is very useful because uh, the code sections probably need to be all in the same chapter, all in the same reference so that people can't banter one part of the code versus another part of the code. But we think we'll have a nice fix out of that from 2208. But the original bill was, was really not so good, and we're happy to have defeated defeated that in a manner by gutting it and turning it into a study to really look into some of the problems that are out there uh, that were at least pointed out by uh, this one county in the state. The good tiling bill was 1437. It was a good bill all along. There were some challenges with it along the way. Uh, it was always an 80 or 90 percent good bill, but there were a few 
problems with the way it was written in that the authors or the folks that were involved in drawing it up were only considering drainage within the Red River Valley or tributaries, whether it's ditches or rivers that go into the Red River Valley. And it had no forethought for how the rules needed to be different in pothole country and places where water isn't necessarily draining in one direction or another other than draining into a specific pothole. And so uh, we had to work on the bill a little bit to fix some of those problems. But in the end, it was still a great bill. And we're happy that 1437 did pass overwhelmingly. It should improve uh, soil quality, water runoff, uh, and drainage within our state. So it's a good bill all the way around. There's another bill dealing with culture. It was a localized issue, and that bill went away uh, as it needed to because it was specific to some specific problems in one county. But all these drainage bills and water bills we dealt with uh, as they needed to be dealt with, and we had a lot of success with those. Senate Bill 2041 was originally introduced to provide some property tax relief for some of our potato warehouses, particularly in the northeastern part of the state where a potato warehouse may be within an industrial or a city zoning area. This bill passed the Senate pretty easily, but there was some concern when it got over to the House that it would place a lot of the tax burden upon some of the other taxpayers within the vicinity. And so uh, the House Tax and Finance Committee had much conversation and, and debate over this bill, and they ended up turning the portion of the bill relating to potato warehouses into a study. But Senate Bill 2041 ended up being a victory for the North Dakota Farm Bureau in a hog house amendment, which basically fixed a federal tax code change from the Trump administration that made the sale of farm equipment to be considered as non-farm income. Basically, what this means is that if a farmer sells a piece of equipment like a tractor, he has to report the sale of that equipment as non-farm income. And what this was doing was it was knocking some individuals out of of the farm home tax exemption. And even though some changes to the tax code that we made last year helped these producers qualify for their farm home tax exemption, it was still causing issues for some producers that trade equipment on a more annual basis. What the House Tax and Finance Committee did is they removed the sale of equipment from the formula. So basically, the sale of a tractor is not considered a gain when considering whether an individual should apply for the uh, farm home tax exemption. And so this is exciting to see our policy preserved and that our producers will continue to be able to receive their farm home tax exemption on their farm houses and storage facilities. Longtime Farm Bureau members will know that we've had policy uh, encouraging uh, North Dakota to find a way to, to have more large animal veterinarians. And so for a number of years, we've had a process in this state where if a student is going to a veterinary college out of state, they had some matching funds and tuition assistance and things that would help with that student's efforts, a reciprocity program. Well, last session, the reciprocity payback program was kind of hijacked and dumped out in the last minute without anybody knowing it in the final hours uh, of the House appropriations process through the Education Committee. That was a big surprise and and a problem for us, and it left some students in the lurch that uh, have good intentions to come back to North Dakota and become uh, practicing large animal veterinarians in our state. Uh, the challenge with this is the program is also linked to dentists and optometrists. Not everyone in the program has a good record of paying back as, as you're required to do some of the loans and whatever. So at any rate, uh, 
We managed to fix it this year, and uh, the veterinary financial program is healthy and going forward. There may be some revisions in future legislative sessions. As now, we have some reciprocity built into the system to help students that want to go to vet school in other states and come back to North Dakota to become large animal veterinarians, and we think that's healthy for animal ag in North Dakota. We've had longstanding policy to eliminate civil asset forfeiture in our state, and several of our friends within the Legislative Assembly, Representative Rick Becker being one of them, has worked tirelessly over the last few sessions to provide transparency and take care of some of the issues with civil asset forfeiture. Uh, civil asset forfeiture is not a problem when you're talking about dealing with criminal activity, etc., but it can be a problem when you're talking about uh, the assets of an individual who may or may not be charged for a crime. We have made great progress in working on changing some of the rules regarding civil asset forfeiture to provide more transparency to the system and to um, put requirements in place saying that if a civil asset is forfeited, it has to be tracked, the information has to be tracked, the crime that the person was convicted with has to be tracked, just to provide some transparency. There's not a lot of evidence of abuses happening in North Dakota, but we believe believe that strong policy and strong laws on civil asset forfeiture will prevent abuses from happening in the future. The budget portion of the Legislative Assembly is always the most contentious issue and one of the most difficult responsibilities for those who have to look at um, how the state is going to fund all of the various commitments and programs and and deal with all of the different needs out there and then also deal with all of the different wants. Our legislative body is frugal compared to many other states. This year, there was quite an influx of cash from the federal government in the form of COVID relief that our appropriators had to distribute and, and figure out what to do with. And so a few budgets of interest to NDFB. Um, House Bill 1009 was the A Commissioner's budget. And a success here was that the A Commissioner received his own in-house legal counsel, which NDFB has put on its policy, believing that the A Commissioner should have his own in-house legal counsel to give him guidance when dealing with citing uh, agricultural development across the state, etc., and to provide the A commissioner with some independence in the legal department so he doesn't have to rely so heavily upon other state agencies, which may or may not be interested in agriculture development across the state. The legislature also funded a soil health cover crop grant program through the A commissioner's budget. The budget includes a study to look at the effectiveness of the North Dakota Beef Commission. We saw the North Dakota Extension budget be sufficiently funded this session in Senate Bill 2020. And one of the most interesting and hotly talked about bills of the session was House Bill 1431 relating to bonding. Bonding is a mechanism that the state uses to fund infrastructure projects across the state. And some people philosophically disagree with the idea of bonding because it puts the state in a position of having to repay those bonds. And some people see it as a genius way of paying for infrastructure improvements in a faster amount of time to save money in the long run. This bill received a lot of attention, but what came out of it was $50 million for the NDSU Agriculture Products Development Center, $70 million for highways and bridges, and $435.5 million for the Fargo diversion. The last budget bill I'm going to talk about was 
the OMB budget, so House Bill 1015, the Office of Management and Budget. And this is one of the largest budgets to pass legislative session every year because this contains all of the components um, of the various budgets that don't make it into other bills but get conglomerated into this last bill, which is always the final bill to pass both bodies. This bill was of particular interest to us this year because it contained a $30 million funding component for townships, roads, and bridges, which is a longstanding Farm Bureau policy and is exciting to see the townships receive some funding for some really bad infrastructure um, from some some bad weather in the last few years. There's also an opportunity for another matching potential of another $30 million to go to the townships. And then the budget also contained a really exciting $250,000 for a meat cutting uh, lab at DSU, which is really exciting for us to see this in North Dakota. Butcher shops and slaughter facilities across the state are really short on labor and skilled meat cutters. And so this is really exciting for all of our producers out there and all of our uh, butchers out there and slaughter facilities to see some funding going into educating the next meat cutters of North Dakota. Well, the legislature wrapped up with just a few days to spare. They had planned on adding some cushion into their calendar uh, so that they didn't use all the days they were allotted. And they want to save those extra days uh, because they know this year, as uh, every 10 years after the uh, census, they have to come back and figure out the apportionment to figure out where the legislative lines will be drawn going forward. We know that the legislature will come back in to take care of that responsibility late in the year. We also know that we have several friends of Farm Bureau that are legislators that will be involved in that process. And so the districts, as they draw them, will be the districts that we'll work under in the 2022 election cycle and then going forward for the next 10 years. Uh, This will have an impact on all of North Dakota uh, going forward for the next 10 years. And particularly, there's an impact to uh, rural North Dakota that I don't think people measure as being as important as it is. Uh, It just seems like the impact with our districts in the rural parts of the state growing and getting bigger and Some of the urban districts getting smaller with the way the populations are. We sometimes feel like the voices of agriculture can be choked out by the volume of people in Fargo, Grand Forks, and Bismarck. Uh, We hope that the rural districts and uh, uh, the rural people of North Dakota will be well represented in this process and that we won't be shut out from the process moving forward. There are a number of states where agriculture is becoming less and less important. And while we're a stronger part of the population in this state, it's always important to stay vigilant in dealing with. Uh, how we redistrict so that we protect the interests of rural North Dakota. So with that, we'll wrap up and talk about what a really successful session we had, all things considered. We have a lot of friends in the in the legislature, friends within the leadership circles. We survived this session without too many setbacks. We certainly didn't have anything that would do uh, major harm to us. We're concerned with the way spending has happened and budgets we know will increase, but we try to limit that as much as possible. Overall, we had an outstanding, successful session, and we think our members can be proud of our efforts and can be proud of all the policy that we had implemented throughout this 67th Legislative Assembly. Thank you for listening to Straight Talk with NDFB. Stay tuned for Seth talking about NDFB Straight Talk in the future. Hello, this is your host for NDFB Straight Talk, Seth Essenson. I hope you're all doing well. I'd like first off 
to give an early congratulations to my co-host Emery and her husband Caleb, who are going to be welcoming their first child soon. And I'd also like to thank the hundreds of listeners who allowed NDFB to keep them updated on legislative policy proposals in the legislature throughout this podcast. With your support, we've decided to move forward with NDFB Straight Talk. As many of our listeners know, we started Straight Talk to be an issues-based podcast that tied both proposed legislative policy, and an individual with experience or knowledge with the given issue. For me, it was incredible being a part of that process. I'd also like to thank all the staff involved to create this project through their vision on how best to serve our members. Also, I'd like to thank our guests for taking the time and giving us the opportunity to learn from them while also offering their wisdom and knowledge to our listeners. We decided through input received from staff and listeners that moving forward, Straight Talk would be best served by sitting down with individuals and businesses to highlight the experience and knowledge they have within a segment of agriculture, specifically the type of individuals and businesses that are leaders and innovators within agriculture and on the forefront of topics that include science, technology, education, and diversity. Our current listeners tell us they're looking forward to interaction with these innovators and how they might bring added value to the bottom line of their respective operations. We are excited to share with you the experience these innovators have had in industry and the perspective and advice they may be able to offer NDFB and our listeners. We will still be found wherever you find your podcasts, as well as on NDFB's website at ndfb.org. Please continue to share with myself and Emery topics, potential guests, and advice on how we can continue to improve Straight Talk with NDFB. We look forward to bringing you our first episodes in the coming weeks, and as always, ask that you share these with your friends and family in the agricultural community. Thank you, and I look forward to joining you on our next episode of Straight Talk with NDFB. Straight Talk.